Hey, Benj. What's up, man? Boom. Dude, Sam, how's it going, dude? It's going well. I, I'm trying to think. We did, we saw each other at WPPI. We did. I was trying to think. Yes, the last. that's right. Yeah. So briefly for like Sheesh. a day. Yeah, a quick second. That was right at the, the beginning of when I was like, huh, I'm not going to be close to anybody coughing like on purpose. Uh, get me away yeah. from there. That was like right when it was hitting the news. China had already shut down. So, I, you know, that may be one of the last, certainly the last photography conference I'm aware of that like actually was pulled off. I mean, I definitely remember being there and being like, should I be getting on planes right now? Like, is yeah, this a good idea? Right. I don't know. Is it already here and all of us are just unaware? Yeah. <laughs> not that we have to talk about COVID the whole time. No, but of course it was, not. Um, was that late? Certainly. Late February, like the last week February, of February? Yeah. yeah. I shot a wedding in San Antonio right after that, early March. And yeah. that was a wedding where they were a, lot, a sizable number of the guests, noticeable number, decided not to come because they didn't want to risk anything. So Yeah. We went um, and saw and my grandparents in Arizona right after that, too, in like first weekend in or first week in March. And then we flew home mm. with my grandma and we were just going like, uh, should she have just driven? Like, so I'm guessing, was that before like masks were normalized on flights? Oh, totally. Too? Cause I feel like that yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. They didn't happen until summertime for, for most airlines. Yeah. If not late summer, it's crazy. For sure. But how are you holding up? Have you, uh, do you have like, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you and I have known each other for years. Yeah. I don't know that we've ever actually sat down and talked at, at length about anything other than photography <laughs> at like a conference. Yeah. How's life uh, where you're at? You have, you know, family and everything. Yeah. And you both just, are you all locked in your own little unit or do you have extended family to see? Yeah, totally. I mean, so I live like in walking distance to the hotel or not hotel, the hospital I was born in. I'm pretty darn close to exactly where I grew up. Um, so like my brother lives probably like 15 minutes away. My parents live like an hour away, lots of family in the area and stuff. But we have a I think he's like seven weeks old now, baby. Um, oh, wow. so super, right. super yeah, new. Yeah. So like waking up, how are you carving out the time right now to talk? With me? Uh, we just started my, uh, four-year-old, we just put him back into preschool. Mm -hmm. So we were doing like a homeschool thing with another friend who is like, has similar COVID views as us. Um, so we felt like safe sending him there, but then it just like was impossible for them and us and everything like that. And so yeah, he's going to preschool now and it's about all we got. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. But yeah, so it's, sl it's, sleep is a non-existent thing for the most part. And like, especially with like the election stuff and then getting up for a newborn every couple hours. Yeah. My sister's going through that. She just had a, her first kid in August of this oh, year. Yeah. So it's been, you know, it's, it's an interesting year <laughs> to My add, uh, yeah. you know, to stress. Um, what do you find now? This is your second child, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, do you, do you find any, I feel like often I just pure anecdotally sure. come across, you know, the sleep issue as a new parent and everything. Do you find that you get any benefit as far as creative? Um, like for example, <laughs> you have a, a night of just a few hours of sleep, but then you have like two hours carved out where I don't know, maybe the, the kid's sleeping or he's with his grandparents or something like that. Do you find that that actually energizes you to work more or do you just take any extra time to <laughs> just get physical rest? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to turn my brain off. So a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, just like sleep when you have time and all this stuff. My schedule normally too, when my wife is working, she works like an evening shift as a nurse. And so I'll work from like nine or 10 AM to like two. And then we'll kind of like high five swap parenting. She'll go to work 
And then I will watch like our son and I guess now our newborn eventually when she goes back um, until I put him to sleep. And then I'll come back out to my office that's in my backyard and I'll work while I'm watching the monitor <laughs> of him sleeping for another Which... like three hours, go to sleep. And then, uh, but I, yeah, I've found that like my overall work time has decreased since having a kid by about two hours a day. So I have about okay. two hours less per day to work than I had before we had kids. So it just means that my productivity levels and things have to be a lot faster, which I mean, in creativity wise, uh, you know, throwing limitations on something kind of forces creativity. So I found more workarounds and workflows and all sorts of stuff to make that stuff possible. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That that's the kind of thing I'm kind of getting at. Yeah. You, you are, you, you're forced to, uh, optimize and yeah. create efficiency if, if you're planning to survive yeah. were you like that previously like before uh having a kid where or did you work more ad hoc or you know just whenever you yeah. wanted or oh, were you always totally good yeah it was definitely not like a set schedule just like work whenever okay. work wherever i always i always loved having an office outside of my house um because i found that i was more productive and could separate life from work a lot and easier. But. Did you have a studio? Am I remembering yes. correctly? You actually yeah. had, a, you hosted a few weddings. Yep. You, you've done one of the things I've always liked about your talk is how you can, uh, proudly say yeah. you've done every vendor's job at a wedding. Totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Including being the venue host. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I used to have a studio, uh, downtown in the, in the city I live in now. And I, yeah, I decided to just like offer it to a few people to host their wedding there if they were interested when they told me, you know, they didn't have like the money or resources or space or whatever so i did it yeah just to see what it was yeah. like which was yeah but you're you're purely working out of your what i'm looking at now yeah. i assume is your your backyard shed i messaged yep. you a couple times about very envious mm -hmm. i've tried to um find something myself there's something i think about having that buffer that sound yep. separated even if it's literally your own backyard <laughs> yeah. oh it's allows huge enable some focus yeah it's totally a great idea yeah, yeah. It, it it like definitely makes life a little bit easier to to separate and like having all your computers and stuff out here and yeah it just is there it, anything um you know if somebody was like me or yeah. anyone else perhaps <laughs> sure. i i have a feeling the the uptick will be noticeable this year and people wanting something that you, like this oh for sure uh, on their own property is there anything that you uh would recommend or, or that you learned post moving in and actively <laughs> using the space that you wish you had adjusted for or you know more more outlets or, or you know strategically placing things in some yeah. way Anything no totally out? so um so for those who don't know like i have a uh 192 square foot shed essentially in my backyard that we've obviously made into my office slash studio which makes it easy for me. I've always had a space outside my home, whether it was like a workspace somewhere or another shooting space or studio or whatever, um, because I find that I can't be very productive in my own house um, because then my wife's like, you know, why didn't you do the dishes today? And I was like, I was at work and, you know, having that. But it doesn't feel like it when you're in the room. Exactly. With the door shut. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. having that separation and then now, especially when I have kids, having a separate space is like, yeah, next level. But yeah, mm -hmm. so like I built mine, I think figuring out what your city's like local ordinances and specifications are is like kind of a key thing too. So like in my city, I can build a detached shed essentially as long as it's under 12 feet tall and under 200 square feet without a permit. So 
that's basically what I did. I just made the largest, almost the largest structure I could without having a permit. So then I have to worry about all that other stuff. Um, because in Tacoma right now, um, like accessory dwelling units or whatever the ADU thing is, they're trying to work some of that stuff out right now. Um, hmm. I would say if I if I could do it over again and I knew how easy the permitting process was, which I don't, um, the only thing I would probably do was make it like slightly larger and add like a tiny kitchenette and a bathroom. Um, oh, okay. Because yes. if I had the resources and the space um, and it wasn't going to cost too much more, that way it would just be like, if you know friends or whatever ever came over they could just literally stay out there and if i ever wanted to in the future or anybody else wanted to like you could rent it out as a single studio which would be nice and then the other thing is yeah yeah and then the other thing is like just if i have to pee or something like that like i have to i have to like all right cool i gotta stop what i'm doing and go like back inside the house and then sometimes that creates its own new situation of running into family and uh whatever else is going on and then maybe i'm doing laundry for 45 minutes or something in the middle of my work day you know because because you you (laughs) moved between worlds at that point um yeah which doesn't happen very often but yeah well it seems well well worth the investment and you know i i have to imagine this need is going to be uh through honestly through the roof yeah. not just a noticeable uptick but with everybody working from home now uh not only will i i'm guessing will we see a, a big shift in people moving out of cities to cheaper you know suburbs or even the country yeah. in some ways but just like yeah trying to i looked into so did, did you build it yourself like so i didn't personally like hammer the nails and stuff yeah but i was the one that like we had like some materials that my parents had and stuff like that. And so I was the one that like designed where everything went and what things went where and all the specifications. And then I just hired a random builder guy to come in and put it all together for me basically. And then my dad is an electrical contractor. So like once the framing and everything like that on the outside was done, then we like went in and wired it all how we wanted and added all that stuff ourselves. That's yeah, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> you can save on labor. I've oh, had totally. so many people out to um, our backyard to yeah. give me an assessment of what's possible or not. And nobody, I think it's an awkward price point because it seems mm-hmm. like most contractors I've talked to uh, have said like, no, it's just too far back and it's too hilly and we can't do it. Or honestly, it's just like a weird zone where I don't think they could, they would have to charge too much for what it would end up being just like sure. a square room of 200 square feet yeah. that like they, they don't even like bother writing me the quote. And then I've looked into prefab solutions yeah. as well, which seem great like the sweet spot you can get something around 200 square feet for like 12 grand just and it comes literally on a tractor and they crane it in (laughs) yeah but um it's a little tricky specifically where i live to do that uh, because it's kind of a hilly area i don't know so uh, i recently got a quote two different quotes to have this prefab unit that i found uh, either uh, craned in and put on the section of our flat roof like literally just put it on our roof yeah Yeah, and redo (laughs) the roofing roofing and everything to be uh, proper, but yeah. that was going to add an extra, it was oh basically going to cost sure. as much as the prefab unit just to do the roof work. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and then the only oh other God. option they quoted out for me was like, well, we could also just helicopter it in and drop oh, it in your geez. backyard, <laughs> like the concrete area of her backyard. I was like, oh, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Although it would be an incredible video. To oh my like, gosh. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> here's my home office. I'm helicoptering Jeez. in. <laughs> that would be nuts. 
Apparently, the most expensive part is, of course, the the helicopter. But then the sure. rigging is really because you have to hire oh, sure. a crew that knows exactly how to rig that stuff, and it's incredibly complicated. Of course, dangerous. Yes. <laughs> I would love to see my neighbors though <laughs> look like, up one day. What in the just, world? <laughs> um, there's a room being hella dropped into this Jeez. backyard, or just but onto your uh, roof itself. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know. Even the crane would be pretty epic to see that, but yeah. uh, it's way too expensive when you add oh, it all up. Sure. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I, I, like I said, I've had contractors come out and take a look, but they just always seem to shy away or excuse their way out of it. But I, like, obviously, like, yeah, if you have the material, somebody could just come and build a structure. Yeah. Uh, assuming you're within, you know, whatever permit range you have. Totally. But, it, it feels like for me, like we just found somebody that was, well, also ours, ours is much more accessible. Like we have an alleyway three mm. feet that way so that part was way easier as well but we just found some people that like had just kind of like do handiwork around like they're just generally like they put in fences for my parents and random stuff like that so it was just like oh you can build structures too like cool and you'll do it for like half the cost of even like a prefab thing sold yeah that's amazing <laughs> you know so yeah, uh, I'm thinking about someday investing in one of these companies that do the prefab units because for easier access, accessible houses. Yeah, uh, I think that's going to be a booming business. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. How is your? Uh, has there been a significant? Your full time wedding photographer, right? That's yeah. like the oh, primary sure. driver in your. Yep. Yeah. Uh, how have has life been <laughs> with weddings? Uh, mean, you don't have to exaggerate too much, but I, I am curious. Uh, have you? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Just give me yeah, yeah. Um, I would say like half of my weddings this year probably like did some sort of postponement i mean basically like everything moved in some way right maybe like half to a third just straight up move to next year and then even some of my weddings that i booked for 2021 are now giving me like soft 2022 dates so i mean i'm sure a lot of other people that are wedding photographers are experiencing that sort of thing as well but yeah i i, I had a, a bunch of them that also did like you know, smaller elopements and smaller gatherings, they were going to have like, you know, a big 200 person wedding, and then they moved to like something like 50 or something small. Um, so I did a few of those this year. And then I had one that did that too. And then has moved, uh, they moved their whole wedding up to 2021. And then decided after they did their small ga gathering that they were just like that was yeah that's yeah. it like we're fine like i've had a lot of those like it, going into it they're like yeah we're just gonna do something small and then definitely do the the, the yeah. big wedding with the party next year and i think people are just sort of yeah once they're legally married and they've had their closer friends and family yeah it's like fine i you know i keep looking at the calendar for next year and it's incredibly packed and busy yeah. and i keep getting inquiries and, and i'm like you know nothing's really changed though i'm yeah. hoping what is occurring is is the mental picture in people's heads of what their wedding's going to look yes. like has been adjusted now to be more comfortable with a smaller group and and yeah. masks and and you know whatever and maybe more outdoors yeah and, and so the mental, like the picture in their head, they've come to accept as being, yes. we're fine with it versus earlier this year where it was like, no, we want it to be normal. Yeah. Uh, we're going to wait. <laughs> totally. So I'm really hoping we don't get a whole nother wave of like spring and summer, Ugh. which I just, I have to imagine things are going to basically be kind of where we're at now, other than maybe some people getting vaccinated by then, hopefully yeah. who knows what access is going to look like, but uh, totally. regardless, I'm crossing my fingers that, that, that 
picture in people's heads, they're more comfortable with it and they just want to go for it. And nothing will be, there won't be any mass exodus to 2022. Cause totally. Yeah. I mean, I what to do the yeah. idea of the people that, and, and you're like on in, in Baltimore, like I was just there two weeks ago. Um, what I know, oh, man, but you were, go- you were so in, I was in Maine. Like, yeah. Maine. Yeah. That's yeah, where it was. was. So, um, and I was just there in and out too really quick, but it felt like people there were taking everything pretty seriously. I live in like outside of Seattle, like everyone's taking all this stuff really seriously, like masks everywhere, you know, that kind of thing. But then I see people in like, you know, Texas and stuff, and they've been doing like 200 person weddings since May, you know? And yeah. so it's, that's, I think it's the other thing is figuring out like what's, cause I think, I feel like people around here kind of have adjusted to the idea of, you can't, you're not going to have probably a giant 200 person wedding next year in the Northwest. It's probably not going to happen. But I do think it's interesting because you're someone that travels a lot as well. And so I wonder if you're going to end up showing up to weddings in Texas next year that are 200 person. Like, what's your kind of feeling about your own safety level and everything? Yeah. Like, according to like, because you've been shooting weddings as well, like through this, yep. you've, you've been doing some, uh, I've been doing some, some, feeling safer than others uh what's your feeling on that yeah uh i would not be doing any of what i've done if i didn't have access to uh like hospital grade n95 masks yeah i i wouldn't do it if i was just wearing a regular cloth mask and you know around anybody else so i do wear cloth masks whenever i'm like out and about in in my local area because like you said people here have been really good and if everyone's wearing regular cloth masks it's generally effective and fine the wedding no uh there (laughs) there is you know there it's like yeah okay we tried Uh, there's a best effort some people listen or or you know wear their masks properly and some don't and and but for me i feel perfectly safe being in my my uh i think i made a patreon post about it my evo mask in 95 with swappable filters which Mm -hmm. is great and then a cloth mask over that yeah um sucks to shoot in like i mm-hmm. i've learned to become uh comfortable getting home with a dry throat uh, yeah. the first couple of weddings i was like uh oh i got it <laughs> um but it's just because of the the air <clears throat> the pull and the push mm-hmm. from your nose and mouth is just more stress and strain it whatever dries my throat out and but i'm perfectly comfortable traveling on an airplane yeah. going to you know a wedding anywhere and however it unfolds you know as long as people aren't touching me too much or breathing down my neck literally uh which hasn't been a problem i'm, yeah. I'm fine uh, doing it and I, I also have incredibly low risk environmental factors no kids or you know my mom lives four hours away i yeah. see her every four months so mm. yeah i don't have <clears throat> those kinds of people to but it is scary to think you know if you did slip up if you were you know sick somehow and you went to somebody else's wedding and then you got people there sick it's like yeah well, you don't want to be the transmission vector <laughs> for yeah. four different weddings, right? That would be scary. Totally. I, I don't know. Uh, I guess then you flew on an airplane. It's the safest and most pleasant airline experience I've ever had. I love what has occurred oh for gosh, airlines, yeah. at least flying Southwest. <laughs> I don't know. There's like no lines. Everybody's respectful. They kind of keep a buffer, a nice little bubble. It's not six feet, but it's still yeah. like a little bubble. And you know, everyone's a little more courteous and slow. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, personally. and like Southwest, I flew Southwest out of Baltimore to the Bay Area, uh, to San Jose a couple weeks ago. Cause I had my, my situation was I had two weddings back to back because at the beginning of October, the bride had tested positive for COVID. Uh, and so, well, they were, she tested positive at the end of September. And so they had to postpone their wedding at the beginning of October. 
to the end of October, which meant that I had a Baltimore wedding on Friday and then a Bay Area wedding on Saturday. And so I had to fly Southwest, which I don't normally do. Um, and I had like two hours of sleep and it was just one of those crazy weekends. But I will say, yeah, on both Southwest and Alaska, there's like the middle seats open on everything and like most yeah. of the air like most of the flights have been not close to full um so the whole process of you know getting through security like boarding the plane everything is just so much easier because they're not full flights yeah i think it's gonna be that way for a while it feels almost like what these systems including like literal highways were designed for in terms of capacity mm, yeah it's like oh <laughs> this is great now everybody has you know, four cars. So it's crazy, yeah. but, uh, nobody's out and using them. And, and it seems like the bandwidth is, is appropriate to what it's yeah. all designed for originally. So I don't know. In some ways it's nice to see the silver lining or the, the half full optimistic perspective. Um, uh, Nessa mentioned when I, as soon as I just got home from a run, like yeah. <laughs> right before we sat, you mentioned she talked to you directly or you just yeah. posted about testing. Do you guys have mm -hmm. really easy access? Nessa and I have not been tested. Uh, we haven't really done a ton of research into what's here. What is your access to testing like there? Is it just like you order a kit or do you have to go somewhere? Or I get your, yeah. you said your wife is a nurse, so maybe she has. Yeah, yeah, no. So, um, and that's why like I just posted like a little poll on Instagram because I was curious because I've heard just, yeah, different uh, things from different people across the country. And so hearing everybody and stuff where I am, uh, you know, it's like all down to the county health department, right? Like they're they're the okay. ones that are controlling everything. So I'm in I'm in a county called Pierce County, and they have a mobile testing site where they just have like this giant trailer that they bring around to. I think there's like five or six sites per day, and they just pull it up at a parking lot somewhere at a public park or uh, a school or whatever. Did that, uh, did that um, Walmart Walgreens? thing ever happened remember when they announced that in may where they were like we have walgreens walmart and we're gonna yeah. set up these drive-throughs in all their parking lots it's gonna be a public private cooperative thing i've never seen any of those but yeah maybe they there's, did occur there but not here. there's <laughs> one walgreens in my city that has it but it is i've tried every time i just try to get into them and it's always like it only lets you schedule out three days in advance you have to schedule first you can't just like drive up to my knowledge okay. at least and every single time there's not been a single appointment available <laughs> and the the county's mobile testing site was actually right next to where the Walgreens is when we just got tested a, a few days ago. Um, and the line was like, cr like 40 and people. see that is where I'm like, you know, the last place I want to be is the line of everybody who thinks they may have had it or be actively like symptomatic. Yeah. And, well, uh, so you know, to I'm be fair, like, it was yeah. like, it's, it's a, it's a drive up thing too. So like everyone's in your car, so you're, mm. pre you're pretty good. I okay, will say good. though, the County, the County one, we live really, really close to a uh, university here, like in walking distance. Um, and so I saw that there was one at the university next to us for the county they were setting up. And so I was like, oh, cool. I'll just like, I'll go over there and get tested because I had just flown and, and didn't really think about the fact that it was at the university so that all the university students could get tested. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. there was a line like at least a half a mile long. And wow. I guess it had been like that all day long. And it wasn't in cars. It was people standing six feet away from each other. But I think the university probably just mandated that every kid just go get tested. But in general, yeah, like our county at least has those mobile setups. So you just drive up. They shove something way up your nose while you're still in your own car. People are basically in hazmat suits. And then you get, you get your stuff texted to you within like 36 hours. So 
Cool. Um, okay. It's a, it's a pretty cool bad. setup. Yeah. And then I, I just heard from somebody else in Seattle. So in King County, uh, which is just like north of me, they have the option to do drive through or they'll drop off a kit at your house and come pick it up the next day. And they, you get your stuff. That's the dream. Yeah. You That's get your stuff awesome. within like 12 hours or something like that's it's just unreal. I, I think even before a vaccine, if we can, if we can just crazy accelerate the, the distribution and effectiveness or accuracy of yeah. um, testing, that yeah, seems like absolutely a fantastic answer to so much. I mean, it didn't save the White House. They they did massive <laughs> testing, yeah. you know, with fifteen minute results, and there was still that crazy super spreader event. But yeah. still, um, it's better, I think, than than expecting a vaccine to just. Oh, absolutely. And everybody get it. And yeah, it's fascinating. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's one of the things for us for like Thanksgiving coming up. Like we're probably going to see like my brother and his wife and my parents and stuff like that. Like not a huge gathering, but basically my immediate family is probably going to get together. Um, we were just like, yeah, just like maybe on Monday of that week, like everyone get tested. And then at least you'll know from that point that you don't have it. You know, yeah. it's not like a foolproof thing, but like it's as good as you're going to get at that point as and, long as you're being that's... safe and you know. That's what I've heard. Uh, Ryan Brenizer. I've talked to him a few times in a group message uh, with a bunch of photographers. I'm act, sort of actively in. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he mentioned. I think he's shot a couple weddings, but one in particular where they dropped like an extra twenty grand to get every single guest yeah. tested at that on the wedding day. Yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. As they were uh, walking in or something, and uh, that does seem like a pretty pretty great approach, but, uh, we'll see. So, uh, one of the things I've, I've observed, I don't know how, how active, uh, have you historically been on Twitter? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big time lurker there. I generally. really don't tweet much, but I feel like I've noticed an oh uptick in your, is, oh, is, the last you... like four years. I mean, you can probably add the uptick there for sure. Uh, four years. Yeah. You I've been, I mean, I've been on Twitter for like 12 years or something and it's been like the one that, yeah. that has been just kind of fun to, to say whatever about anything. Yeah. And like, see tw Twitter for me is always, I like doing that on Facebook statuses, Twitter. Oh, man. It's too, it is so polit. Everything is so political. Oh my gosh, Facebook yeah. is, is also everything. It's just, but all of this is like horrible. Instagram yeah. is the one where it doesn't feel like it mm -hmm. has been completely overwhelmed with political discussion. Although, it's not great. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. We don't have to wait too much into the election. No, it's yeah. a pretty interesting uh, time. But how how is how are people? <laughs> well, Washington, that went what? Clearly blue, right? And that is. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. our, our governor race and our thing were both like 60, 40 or something, which isn't probably as blue as people would assume, I guess, about Washington. But another thing I've that always people... been surprised anytime visiting Washington, Oregon or or mostly Northern California, the number of, you know, literal Trump signs that I've yeah. seen out or just the general conservative sort of, you, you get a vibe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah. Totally. I think people just assume that like, you know, Seattle and whatever is like this liberal haven of just like the entire state's all blue. But I mean, Seattle, the big cities, everyone, there's like a, you know, college town and stuff like that. It's fairly blue, but then most of the state is actually on the other side of the mountains and it's all like desert and stuff like that, which people also don't consider when they think about Washington and that's all like farmland and, you know, typical more conservative country for sure. Um, which I still, I'm sure I just haven't listened to enough experts or, or podcasts. I still don't quite understand the, 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 anytime you get a denser collection of people in a big city or even medium cities, the more dense, the more liberal leaning. And, and I know that it's easy to think in your head that 
oh, well, you know, when you live around a more variety of mm -hmm. people, you become a little more aware and, and I hate the word tolerant, but you just have a different sense sure. of um, other people's way of life. And you're probably more accepting of that. But I, I don't think it can be that easy. I feel like I, I mean, I grew up in central Virginia. This is the first time in 40 years, I think uh, my hometown of Lynchburg uh, went blue. Hmm. It's so crazy because you look at Virginia, Virginia as a whole went blue, but it's mostly yeah. because of the northern Virginia sure. areas, super dense, yeah, very, very crowded. So, but the rest, there's like, it's all red. And then there's tiny little Lynchburg, which is home to Liberty University, by the way. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah exactly. Little Lynchburg all by itself. It's blue. And anyway, I just, but uh, what I was going to get at is I grew up around, you know, people yeah. that are very conservative, um, but also super uh, kind and, and sure. understanding of how other people live and they're, they're not hateful. Yeah. So it's just strange to me that it aligns so, so heavily tracking density i don't know I, yeah I, I don't understand it <laughs> i mean I, it's all all like anecdotal or whatever but like that's that's kind of my not to get into politics too much but my my like political leanings and everything like that have changed dramatically from like my hometown of super small town semi like rural suburbia so i grew up like super conservative like you know voted bush in the first like you know elections as soon as i turned 18 and was just yeah generally really conservative and then as i like started traveling and seeing other places and then especially once my wife and i moved to seattle and we were in a neighborhood called capitol hill where it was just like super diverse like you know like my my thoughts and mindset about things changed a lot once i started listening to other people's stories and how things affected them and, and that kind of thing for sure. And that's, you know, it's only just my strange to me. Yeah. It's, it doesn't quite make sense in my brain. Maybe I'm just in a weird state of, uh, <laughs> being naive that but that exposure of other people's like you said the word stories as the key element would then align you with a more liberal or conservative mindset it's just weird to me like why does it have to be like that it seems like you could also hear a diverse array of stories and be sure. like oh you know i'm actually going to trend a little more conservative for whatever reason sure That's strange to me. <laughs> I've, i found that Very too like i mean i've listened to and i've tried to just like have sort of open discussions with people on other social media platforms and i've heard people say the same thing that like once they had kids they became more conservative again and stuff like that ah um, yes but I, I assume once you also accumulate some some wealth and some equity in life it sure. makes sense that you would you have more to lose perhaps you don't want to sure. have a yeah, and like scrape that out totally and i've yeah i've had a lot of uh, conversations with other like business owners that maybe they used to be more like socially liberal but then especially now that the pandemic's hit they've been like swung way conservative because they're like afraid of losing their businesses and they're uh, sick of the lockdowns and and that kind of thing and yeah i think i think for me though the thing is just like finding ways to like empathize and you hear a story from anybody like outside of your own worldview and go oh so like that's why you think the way you do you know like whether that is like a really informed way or whatever at least it allows you to think of through like yeah why why they're in that mindset and you can put yourself in that situation too and see how that would be totally. possible. That's one of the things I'm absolutely most grateful for about the job that we do as wedding photographers is that very intimate, like super compressed exposure yeah. to people's family relationships and the chemistry between all these different 
parent types, grandparent types, <laughs> friend types, yeah. uh, and how that manifests into the personalities of your clients. <clears throat> and yeah, it, it really has been an insanely um, uh, amazing window into people's lives not, and, and having nothing to do with yeah. the, fo the photo aspect of, of it and this, the actual documentation, just, just being around all these different personalities and environments has been, uh, I just, that's my favorite part, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I wish I had been better about keeping an actual, perhaps like a journal sure, or written, yeah. written account of what I Absolutely. felt and observed from these people beyond just the, the photos. Cause I think it, it goes way deeper than the pictures, but totally. And what I think a lot about that, cause you're learning so many different cultural things, uh, depending on like what background the people are from and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then there's just a lot of things that you have like an idea in your mind about maybe a, a certain type of culture or a certain type of person or even a certain region, right? And so in your mind, that thing is all hypothetical. And then you get there and you experience whatever that thing is. And then it moves from being hypothetical to being a reality. And then you can see, you know, what parts of your own imagination about whatever that thing was were real and what other parts were just like either a stereotype or something you heard from somebody else or whatever you know what i mean yeah and i and i will say that plays in absolutely uh perfectly to the problem <clears throat> with the internet social media in particular yeah. in, in that you don't get the everyone thinks that they're experiencing reality <laughs> on these platforms yeah and you're not uh so many people uh that i meet in person and i knew previously online only i'm like oh i really don't like you or oh, uh, yeah. i thought i was gonna hate you and i really love you you're amazing sure. but like online yeah. you totally suck <laughs> yeah people are literally kind of like building these two kind of versions of themselves in some way it's almost like their inner voice and then their their actual physical voice and i and i kind of wonder what is starting to matter more <laughs> in the yeah. way the, the world actually operates. Uh, it's scary to think about right now, oh given the state of things. I'm praying for some government regulation when it comes to social media. Yeah. Uh, one of my uh, absolute favorite podcasts that kind of dives into more of the social implications of um, these kinds of technologies is called Stratechery. And one of the things, uh, the, the writer and analyst who's like the main guy, he runs his website. It's called also Stratechery. Uh, and his name is Ben Thompson. He thinks that there should be a law, a mandate that you should be able to transfer your social graph. So, you know, your username with all your followers and people you follow from one platform to another seamlessly. Mm. It should just be built into the technology as a capability, which would totally upend a lot of business models. Yeah. But I think makes so much sense. If you can you know, you're, you're on Twitter or whatever, and it becomes too toxic or just that specific platform and the way that they do their algorithms or whatever, you could just like one click over to something else. And mm. if anybody else from that platform that you were previously associated with is also on the other one, obviously you can't force somebody to sign yeah. up or whatever, then it would transfer and it, it would be like a seamless transplant of the, the social graph, which I think would be, first of all, uh, create a, a leverage point or remove a leverage point from a lot of these companies in, in terms of their power, right? Sure. People, it's so hard. I mean, I, I don't know how well Patreon is going for you. I, I, I know I follow you, but I actively yeah. <laughs> try not to look at other people because I don't want to sure. be influenced and steal ideas because yeah. that just happens whether you want to or oh, not. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so hard to build something, uh, somewhere else from scratch yeah. it's like pulling teeth it is just so much work yeah and oh for sure and all of this this energy and work that people have built on something like instagram or whatever with their business and photography you are now like beholden to 
this company. And I hate that. Like self-employment is, is supposed to have this uh, layer of freedom with it. Yeah. Slowly <laughs> getting eroded as again, you know, like you're literally having to start to pay for ads or reach or whatever it is that uh, yeah. uh, didn't used to be when you started. Yeah. So, Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the interesting thing about that though, for me is like, I follow some people on, different platforms, but I don't follow them on other platforms, you know, because I like, mm. maybe I like their voice or I like what they say on one platform, but I'm like not interested in what they say on another one. Cause I, I definitely okay. compartmentalize like that. stuff yeah, too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. cause on, on Twitter specifically, like I follow obviously like politics, uh, but I also follow like Seattle sports stuff. And then I also mm. follow like, a, a, like a, a subset of photographers, some people that I don't even like necessarily follow on instagram but i follow their photography stuff on twitter because of the, how they present their stuff because each social media has its own kind of like voicing i feel like and so like sometimes i'll like how somebody yeah. like posts their stuff on twitter but like i like go to their instagram and i'm like mm, i don't really care you know <laughs> yeah. like yeah that's a really good point i i do wish there were broader like one click batch uh, sure. interactions you could adjust for. I went through one of uh, Patreon posts from this year uh, that I made was uh, a macro, how to use a macro to mm -hmm. massive ma do mass muting yeah. of people you follow that maybe you don't want to unfriend or cut off yeah. completely, but not see their stuff unless sure. maybe I actively seek it out. I tend to be very, I try and be very mindful of is this a, a reactive or a proactive relationship on the platform? Am I sure. seeking out these people that surface to top of mind and I actively want to keep up with what they're doing or do I just let the app choose for me? And mm -hmm. I feel like apps where I've taken a more proactive uh, for myself stance of like, oh, I want to see what Benj has been up to and just sure. like, go check it out like yeah. that. And, and also it kind of narrows your scope of what you're exposed to massively because you're only going to remember maybe a couple dozen people that you actively like to keep up with in various sure. places. Uh, I wish, and I also, um, I really want to start calling out Apple to build in tools that actually limit, uh, time and yeah. use <laughs> on the device. Cause this, this like, yeah, okay. You said you only wanted an hour, so we're stopping you, but just type in your pin code. It's fine. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. not real. That's well, not really helping up, anything. I, I set that up for Instagram. I set it up for like half an hour. Right. Like, so I only have a half hour day. It doesn't even do anything. It just like says, so, Hey, you've been on for a half an hour. And then I'm usually like in the middle of writing somebody or doing something. And so I just instantly click oh, it and yeah. just like get off my screen. And then I and forget then, that it was now on there. You've got right? this voice in the back of your head, which is like every day stacking on top of itself. Like, oh man, I'm, I'm going longer than I should have. I know I shouldn't have. And now you've got this extra layer of guilt, <laughs> self-imposed guilt, where if you could just like have the access cut off for real permanently and like agree, this is all software people. You yeah, can yeah. make it do whatever you freaking want. <laughs> But uh, money. Yeah, money. I know. But you Apple, know? Like, you know, I thing. feel like Apple has done a great job of saying separated in terms they're they don't they aren't in incentivized to keep sure. people using Facebook. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, other than people not being happy with their devices because they have these <laughs> lockdown tools. But again, it's yeah. a self-imposed thing. I would love to see that. Um well, don't you Again, have like a little a thing that is a, like a, a physical lock, lock that I love. Yeah, right. And, and I use it. Absolutely. And that but it's stupid. Like, why do I have to own four of these stupid lockboxes? <laughs> yeah. Why can't I just do this on my phone? This is so yeah. silly. Just get it, get it done. And, uh, you know, yeah. auto self-imposed, do not disturb thing that like allows you to have it in your pocket, but you can only get calls from specific people or whatever, you know? 
I mean, why not just build the option? If nobody uses it, if it doesn't become massively popular, then fine, whatever. This is this is code. They can afford to just write. You know, that would take a day to program, but whatever. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of uh, the iPhone, not to deviate too much, but my ADD brain is kicking in. Did you buy uh, one of the new phones? Or are you? Do you? I did not. I have. The I have the 11 Pro still, and pretty much what I've heard from everybody is that like unless you really want 5g and like the pro max with the new camera features it's like eh. yeah wasn't that that was kind of your take that was too exactly right? my right? take like, eh. i i was super yeah. excited to see the the actual dimensions of the 12 mini and that's yeah. that's when I'm, it's actually physically smaller than the 11 pro which i'm back on yeah and i lo- i really love this device but yeah, it is still i think a, a touch bigger than i would want and i do mm-hmm. like Same. the 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 iphone 4 or 5 design with the harsh corners but again yeah. i really i i believe that that style does not work in the larger a form factor of this size or bigger it's just too clunky yeah. and so the mini is smaller than this and i think it might yeah. be the perfect phone i'm it's got the same processor totally it's got the ultra wide and the standard lens yep. which is fine with me i never use the the telephoto very often and yeah so i'm excited to try the 12 mini and then do you yeah, feel like because you have like an ipad pro as well right like do you feel like your ipad use augments the need to have a larger phone or if you didn't even have an ipad you would ha- like be totally content on using a smaller ios device yeah i think i'd be okay going smaller and I've yeah. I've had the max size phones before. I, I generally trend toward the middle size yeah. phones, but this mini is a 5.7 inch diagonal screen, which I don't know exactly what phone historically that most aligns yeah. with. It's bigger than the iPhone 5 screen. It's bigger than the iPhone 6 and 7 screen. So it's going to be great. I think it's going to yeah, be yeah. the perfect form factor. And I've just noticed totally. like the ease and convenience of and the, the just the pleasure of seeing something on a larger screen inherently makes it more it calls out to you. It like you yes. want to, it sucks you in and having a smaller mm-hmm. screen, like the Palm phone, which is way too small, but still yeah. kind of cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm mostly going to use it for wedding days as a backup and to track my uh, gear bag in case it's ever stolen. Uh, this is the Palm mm-hmm. phone. It runs Android. It's its yeah, own. Yeah. It's literally uh, just for anybody who's listening that may not know, literally fits in your Palm. Fantastic little device. It does everything you could possibly need, but not the best battery life. <laughs> so yes, uh, I'm hoping yeah. the the smaller uh, iPhone 12 mini is sort of the perfect size for me. And yeah, it'll be a little more annoying to look at, but that's okay. I want, I want a little bit of that pushback with this yes. you know, all consuming soul sucking device that I think most any, anybody can admit to having any issue if they had it previously uh, intensified given the fact that they're locked in at home more than they would rather be (laughs) generally on their iPhone. And I do love the, uh, the, the iPad pro. I mostly, to be honest, use my iPad pro as a, um, uh, using the sidecar feature as an extended display. Yeah, that's right. I absolutely freaking love that feature and it's just the external monitor, but, uh, you can interact with, uh, like Mac OS through an Apple pencil, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and I use that a lot, but I, I think, in the next week or maybe a few days, they're going to announce the new laptops with Apple Silicon. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think hopefully. as, yeah, as they allow native iPad apps to run on your Mac, mm-hmm. perhaps features like sidecar and stuff will enable touch. Cause I would love to be able to use my finger on Mac OS using it as an extended yes. screen. That's the dream for me. Totally. Uh, I yeah, don't know why absolutely. they limit it to the pencil. That's kind of annoying <laughs> right now. But yeah. It does work. Do you feel like it's clunky at all? Like, um, like, is there much lag? Because I'm my iMac, I'm still waiting for the silicon iMacs. So I have like a 
14 or I don't even know oh how old gosh. my iMac is. Wow. It's super <laughs> old, but I've been waiting for the silicon ones for so long. And so that's what I'm waiting for. And so I can't even do sidecar on my iMac because oh, yeah. it doesn't, it's like the one generation right before. So maybe it's a 20, I don't even know what it is, but um, it's no lag. Is that what you asked about? Lag? Yeah, lag. And so like, could you, let's say, could you do retouching with an Apple Pencil on 100% yes via sidecar that's almost exclusively how nessa illustrates as well drawing um she does use procreate which is a native ipad app but she basically yeah mirrors her laptop and to her ipad and draws in photoshop quite often Uh, if not most of the time because that's that's one of the other limitations about the ipad in general too is just like you know lightroom you can't use all of the same things because you're stuck with like Lightroom CC and not the classic version. And then Photoshop also has a few less features, but I love interacting with the iPad in so many ways. Um, so Same. if you could kind of jump into some of those features from the desktop apps, that would be ideal. Uh, speaking of uh, Photoshop, have you played around with the no. most recent <laughs> updates? Like the neural have features you, of like changing neural, people's like... Uh, expressions and stuff? Yeah. Dude, there is no lag. Yeah, I just repaired my Apple Pencil. It's like real time. There's no Epic. no lag at all. Yeah, it's fantastic. Nice. Oh, and by the way, uh, I in particular love Sidecar. I don't know how, how often you get around to doing music stuff, but it's so nice to have like a logic project up on my iMac and then just shoot it over to my iPad Pro, get up and go to... Because oftentimes if you're doing music, uh, yeah. you have like a microphone set up, maybe uh-huh. not right at your desk. So you can just take your laptop or your iPad and go yeah. record drums real quick and like... It's start brilliant. and stop from yeah. that. it's so much nicer than having to like i uh, used to use log me in to remote in from yeah. like a laptop <laughs> into my imac to control crap yeah. like that anyway no, sidecar is just an amazing feature but yeah. um oh i was getting on a track and i totally derailed myself shoot <laughs> oh the neural features of yes the, yeah yeah yeah, they're creepy and they're weird. And this is another thing I'm in a couple of iMessage chats with other photographers. How do you feel about, you know, you've got the perfect family photo. It's awesome. Uh, the kid, everybody's smiling, but the kid and, you know, baby or whatever. And you have a shot of the baby yeah. smiling and yeah, you could hop in, do some layers, face swap. Boom. You yeah. got a picture. Uh, that already crosses a lot of lines that I'm like weird about, but yeah. how do you feel about running that photo instead of doing a face swap through, uh, you know, the neural, uh, smile generator and it just makes the kid smile, uh, like adding yeah. data. I mean, yeah, it's a different thing, it, <laughs> but like, I think for like a portrait and stuff like that, like that is the intended outcome. You know, like when you took that photo, that was the intended outcome. And so as long as it looks natural and like, I'm okay with it as long as it, yeah, works because I'm still doing that face swap thing. Cause every, every family grouping, I'm taking like three to four photos of the exact same thing so that I can make sure that I have one that everyone's like looking with their eyes open and smiling and stuff anyway. Yeah. And usually that works out and every maybe once or twice per wedding max, I have a series that like not everyone lines up in one particular photo. So I have to face swap somebody. I'm just used to that and okay with that. So if I could do it software based and not have to like, you know, trace someone's face out and then slap it on there with another layer and then blend it in perfectly and stuff like that, then cool. But yeah, it's, it's a bizarre (laughs) concept because 
yeah. thinking like right now, cool feature, but like where it's going is what is like, I guess, concerning, right? A hundred percent, especially with the under the the unknown applications of these things. I mean, Apple uh, was late to the game of sort of auto editing the selfie camera when you had it up, yeah. it would like do extra smoothing and things to help mm-hmm. you out without any uh, uh, feature uh, notification that this was on or ability to turn it off. Yeah. It just, they're just trying to make you look nice because people yeah. think it's a better camera if they look nicer in mm-hmm. it, even if it's skin smoothing or changing the light. So as that gets better and more realistic, <laughs> it freaks me out as a wedding photographer because yeah. I feel like we might approach a scenario where I take a picture of how somebody looks and they literally don't think they look like that anymore because yeah. they see themselves on a, on a FaceTime camera and they think they photograph one way all the time. Uh, but in reality they, they don't. And so I yeah. either don't edit the photos to align with that expectation or uh, it just is a missile. Even if I did edit it, maybe I do it differently than the Apple selfie camera happens to do it. Sure. Whatever people are getting a <clears throat> distorted reality of what they look like i don't know it's uncomfortable well, and they're putting out a distorted reality of what they look like because especially with like influencers and bloggers and stuff like that who are using facetune and whatever on every single photo you know you're putting so, out yeah like a, a completely like perfection version of yourself most of the time right like well not i'm not doing that because i don't really post photos of myself and stuff but like you see people clearly doing that. And like, I don't know if you've run across this either, but I've run across not often by any means, but a few times where I've like seen a client of mine post one of their photos and I like kind of do like a little, did I, did I edit it like that? (laughs) And then I go back and like out of my own curiosity, I'll pull them up side by side and go, Oh, they like, they augmented it themselves in one of these apps ever so slightly but like for me who like yeah. took the photo edited it everything i can go eh, that, i don't that's that's not what i did actually i i remember seeing that and it's not it's like there's a little something off there you know so now we enter a world where not only do you have to be concerned with your artistic intention being uh inaccurately <clears throat> reproduced because of filters uh you know of of th- what generally photographers push back against you know with like the one click like don't add an instagram filter on top of the photo that i edited (laughs) yeah but now not only that you have clients where in one way i want to be like yeah if you want to facetune yourself whatever after i deliver it go ahead but at the same time there is a degree of realism and there's a the tastefulness to that where if they posted a picture that credited me and it was clearly yeah, in my opinion, not tasteful, liquefy yeah. or skin smoothing. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to be attributed to how I edit. So now we've got two different versions of editing to fight against. Yeah. But at the same time, I wouldn't I, personally, if somebody, if a client asked me, do you mind if I like facetune this to be awesome? I'd be like, sure. But I kind of yeah. want to just start maybe saying, don't credit me for anything. <laughs> like, just yeah. don't credit me. <laughs> uh, I'll post my own photos. People can find me that way. And yeah. uh, and I don't care about you giving me proper credit if you're going to edit stuff. I, but it's a, it's a slippery slope in either direction. It's crazy. It is just weird, though, like especially this year, because like so many of our interactions have become more online anyway. 
like your online persona and your online look and what you put out there to the world has become is becoming more and more of what people consider the reality about themselves. And so that is just like I don't know, just like a I'm obviously we've, you know, the social network and all sorts of stuff has been done and studies on it, but that's just an interesting thing that we're going to have to deal with as a society moving forward in a big way, right? Like Yeah. Um, I don't know what the tipping point or if there is anything that would ignite a pushback other than the other thing that freaks me out is as a photographer, I need to show work to get new work. But I have felt as my audience has grown over the years, a little bit of a upswing in people saying like, oh, do you mind like not posting pictures of us? Uh, of mm-hmm. course I'm in DC, so I get a lot of government workers and I've always just yeah. been like, yeah, sure. And, and I've, I've charged uh, an add-on fee for doing that. But I, I could see in a world where, you know, things like, uh, d- deep fakes or like, you know, just yes. face swapping on videos and all that, where people, uh, the majority opinion is like, oh no, no, no. You put my face on the internet without asking me. That's not okay. Right now we are living in a time where like your base, the expectation is, you're free to like post photos unless we told you not to and yeah. we paid extra not to whatever. Uh, totally. But I could totally see that changing. And I think a lot of people are going to regret having as many photos of themselves on the inter- internet as they do uh, due to just being able to like take that face and put it on literally anything anybody wants. Although I am yeah. very excited. I could see once the technology face swapping in particular gets good enough, dude, I'm pretty sure what's going to happen is any movie that comes out you're going to be able to see yourself as a character. It's going to be a feature. They're going to say, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, they're going to put your face. Yeah. And whoever acted it, whatever, I could totally see that being a selling point. And just the, the way a normal movie is seen, you see you, your friends, your wife as all the characters in the movie. (laughs) It's crazy. Which is like amazing, but also terrifying. Like, because that, I feel like that's going to be, man, this is like a deep dive, but like, I feel like that's going to further augment your own reality. Like it's going to be an augmented reality thing, but it's going to augment like what you believe to be reality more and more. And you're going to disconnect from your own actual physical reality. Oh yeah. More you're and more like, as you oh, see man, that kind of stuff. Look how awesome you're I gonna am. See, or you're <laughs> going to you see on the couch like for four hours instead of or negative know, kicking, stuff. Like, kicking. Yeah. Right. You know, right. like maybe, maybe you put in, maybe someone you actually don't like is the bad guy in a movie and you go murder that person. Like, and you see yourself doing something terrible. And then, you know, that kind of cycle can like move in a really negative direction, not just like you being a superhero in a Marvel movie or something, you know, like there, are, I think there's <laughs> massive, terrible implications involved yeah. in that too. But Jeez. why not? I, how does it not lead to that? I, I, oh, I it will. Feel, yeah, yeah, it seems sure. like that is the, as far as I can imagine it, uh, from an actual practical real life thing that would be commercialized, they could make so much money doing that. Uh, like, yeah, here's oh the movie. Gosh. Would you yeah. like to see yourself? Uh, here's hundred bucks. Sure. And if they just do a CG swap. Boom. Uh, you want to yeah. wife also to be the other character? Boom. 50 bucks, whatever. More than that. Yeah. People would pay so much to see themselves in like a super pro movie. And uh, that's not even, yeah. I mean, there's so much to unpack. With yeah. That, but I, I have to believe that's a thing. I mean, yeah, uh, like Snapchat, TikTok, <laughs> all these insanely uh, powerful filters already have like a, a, an almost convincing 
implementation of it. And that's just, again, using a freaking iPhone. The only thing that I, I did want to ask you about, though, is because uh, we have we have this weird, uh, slightly different connection right now because I have this uh, oh, yes. X1D2 from Hasselblad and you have the 907X. Yes. And so I, di I did want to get a quick little like nerd out about these medium format Hasselblad cameras. and. Fantastic. Because yeah. what do you have on there right now? Like, is that like a projection lens or something? Oh my gosh. Like, so this is a lens. I think I made a reel about it, but it's a uh, yeah. 50 millimeter F 0.75. Look how much glass yeah. is there. It's uh, it's fixed focal length, obviously, but also fixed focus. Is it fixed so focus? Yeah. There's only one distance that you can focus at. <laughs> uh, it's not very practical, but yeah. my favorite combination, which I don't have in front of me is, uh, well, this is the lens. This would be my second favorite combination. This is the 80 millimeter F 1.9. Yeah. And that's what caught my eye, obviously, other than this being a stunningly beautiful sure. camera. Uh, yeah. What caught my eye about this medium format system is the first, to my knowledge, brand to release something that equates pretty close to a 50 millimeter F 1.4 or 1 1.5 uh, on yeah. full frame. Almost all the other medium brands, medium format brands like Fuji, uh, even Phase One, you're stuck in a 35 millimeter equivalent of like an F2 or even yeah. smaller. So you don't get that dreamy bokeh, basically, mm -hmm. which I love. I'm, I, that's probably oh, totally. how I yeah. roll. Yeah. And uh, this lens gets you pretty pretty much there. It's autofocus, it's built in, it's yeah. got a shutter, um, uh, leaf shutter. So it sinks at one yeah. two thousandth of a second. Uh, what lens are you rocking? What do you have on your Hossie? So, I mean, I, this is on loan, so I actually don't own this camera, but Hasselblad sent me this. I have the the 30 mil uh, 3.5. So that's again, though, it's only like, it's like a 25.28 or so. Yeah, that's um, weird. So it's not super fast, but like the size is actually really nice. And I feel like it would be, I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, I have this and then I have the zoom that they sent me, which is, it would be cool for like landscapes and stuff. Cool. Um, and then I have the 90. Uh, which is a three two so it's still like a two five or something like that it's not super yeah. shallow but i've used it for a couple weddings and it's been really cool because the detail you get out of there is just like unreal yeah um, next level and, and i usually don't actually shoot at that like high of apertures so i usually don't have that much extra detail anyway so that's actually been kind of interesting too is to see all that resolution and then that detail it makes an impact and i think these are same yeah. sensors right totally yeah exact same totally sensor. exact same sensor same autofocus yeah, same motor, sensor yep pretty much everything face tracking most part. Right? no face tracking no yeah one. i mean yeah. it's just contrast detect like yeah. autofocus which isn't great but the form i think the thing about these two is like that camera is just so beautiful like because it's modeled after like the old 500 the one series that went to space <laughs> yeah come yeah. on Dude, like I, I, have I have that, yeah. the, the actual film version, you know, that, of that. Um, and so I can stick that back oh, on cool. my um, actual film version too, which would be cool. But then the other thing is like this one, like is a totally different experience, but the ergonomics of this camera are like some of the best. It's one of the best feeling cameras I've ever had. What's the shutter sound like? Can you rip one off? It's is the it same pretty... thing. It's the same thing because it's, the shutter's oh. in the lens. So it depends oh, right. on the lens itself, right? Yeah. So like yes. this, let's see if I can get this. Oh, it's memory card missing, so I can't actually fire it. Uh, but um, it's a pretty annoying shutter sound, to be honest. It's like a very like metallic, like tink kind of sound. Yeah. Um, so there's, so it's, not, it's not exactly satisfying. <laughs> let's see here. 
Yeah. And it's a pretty noisy autofocus too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like taking a, a couple of I don't know, 50 years or 50, five years back <laughs> in the uh no, man, maybe a decade back if you yeah. wanted a DSLR equivalent. This would be like shooting, gosh, what lens would have done this for um in Nikon? I don't know. <laughs> but it is a slower way of working. But you're right. This camera, I'm I'm so obsessed with the layout and the operation. There's plenty I would change. It's awkward to have to hold this button to change exposure. And it's weird why they don't let you map certain things to do certain other things, but it's, it's the, it's got the Leica magic going the, the, you just want to pick it up and shoot with it purely because of how it looks, which Mm -hmm. is not the experience I get with my Canon stuff as much as I love my Canon work for, for personal amazing tools. Yeah. Yeah. But for, yeah, there's just something very motivating and inspiring about the style and design of this. And I could see it totally. I might, because I'm now acquiring so many lenses, the XCD mount lenses, I might pick up what you've got as well at some point yeah. just to have the, the, the 30 is great. But I mean, you're, the actual body that you have, what's the model number? Oh, it's the X1. Uh, the X1D2. So it's basically the same, same thing, yeah. except for just like the form factor of it is phenomenal. Very, actually. very slim. Yeah. And I know Fuji uh, is also catching my eye quite often with with what they're doing. Yeah, so it's very like so alike. It's very like alike, and it fits fits in that style really well. It's tiny. It's like I mean, it's the size of like the EOS R. You know, it's not that much different in size. It has a really nice grip, all that kind of stuff. But it has but it, the giant sensor, megapixel. You know, forty four by thirty three sensor. I don't know why they don't. Somebody doesn't push and do like an insanely bocalicious lens i mean maybe this is as far as they can push it the 80 uh one fuji 1.9. fuji said that they're gonna make uh, a one seven an 81 seven that's coming right, so, next year yeah and like well, fuji yeah, we'll see. medium format their rangefinder medium format I, I think actually maybe all of them actually do face tracking is it contrast detection or maybe they do something else but i think it's yeah, I'm more not sure. of a focused experience uh, more in line with their crop sensor bodies, which yeah. is amazing. People love the autofocus on those cameras, I think. So. Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like the difference in there too is like, like these ones, like the Hasselblad ones are like an inspiring tool. Like you want to pick it up and use it just for the like love of photography. And the other ones, like every time I've picked up one of the Fuji ones, it probably does a better job in a lot of ways, but I just like, it doesn't make me want to use it. Interesting. You know, Mm, like it's just a different, like it just feels like I'm picking up another tool to use. Uh, It's just not like an inspiring. Because would you you agree that that also trickles down to the menu layouts? I've been very happy with how, I mean, some some weird things, but I love the menu on on that. I think they're the same. It's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. So simple. It's like just, I mean, it's like pulling up a, like an Android device or something like, yeah. Just like big icons, but, but super the Fuji easy. menus are like, ugh. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. They're very yeah. much, and it's like not as bad as Sony menus, but still. And I think that does play yeah. into the the emotional thing that we're chipping away at here. That yeah, the, if the menu kind of leaves a, a bad taste in your mouth, it doesn't really matter operationally, physically in your hand, how how great it is. Like you got to have. That's. I mean, I love the Leica menus. They they also nailed it. Yeah, um, super mellow. I, I feel yeah. Yeah, I just I love the the color choice, the palette that they used, the lay the layout in general. <clears throat> I mean, there's always room for improvements. But so do you? Nice. So you did use it at a wedding, okay? The portraits only. Yeah, I've used it. I've used it too. Uh, yeah, I use it for portraits. I did use it for some getting ready stuff. 
Can I see the um, battery? Do they use share the same battery? They might. Yeah, I think they probably do, which would be nice if you want to jump into that ecosystem. Yep. It's this guy. Yep. Exact yeah. same one. Yep. Same one. So yeah. It doesn't come with a, you have to charge it in camera only unless you pay an extra 150 or something. for. Oh, a oh really? That's funny. Yeah. They, they sent me like the double battery charger, which would obviously be nice. It's like USB-C, That's what I mean. but, and how much are, do you know how much these batteries are? Are they just stupid expensive? Like the, no, no, like they're the not ones? I, I did buy an extra, I want to say somewhere in the $200 range. I yeah. Quite recall. Which is That's what the like ones are. <laughs> do you have yeah, just to buy send like it back? A $12. That sort of like, yeah, send it back if you want. Wink, wink. Or do you actually? No, no, no. Yeah, no. It's on loan for like a specific amount of time. They're actually going to send me that one next too. So uh, uh, that'll be. It'll so be fun because I've. It. I'm tossing around like I've been wanting to get into the digital medium format game for a while, and so. Ever since that camera was announced, I was like, man, this would be just so fun. It would fit my kind of like system, the way I photograph things really well. Um, I already have that camera film wise and stuff. So yeah, I, I wish yeah, they would just send me one to keep wink, wink. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm, yeah. I don't think I'm on that level yet, man. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the lens that I most recommend you pair it with, it's a shame the electronic sensor isn't a little faster in how it scans the yes. capture. Would you say it's one third of a second? I think so, it's one third of a second. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's been, it's, I, cause I was using it at a wedding. I was trying to pop back and forth between using like the actual XCD lenses and then adapting some of my Leica lenses. Cause I just got, you know, adapters for that kind of stuff. And some of them work amazing, like the 50 Sumalux works amazing. Uh, and then some other ones work great too, especially if you do like the X-Pan crop, yeah. um, that like super wide, because then it takes out the corners and you just get the side, the, you know, the, the super panorama version. But one thing that sucks about it is if there's any like LED or yeah, like LED yeah. lights, even like the, the string frequency. lights, it's like that, yes. the frequency thing. So the you'll get this really cool shot you know, these big bokeh orbs and stuff like that. Cause it's, you know, just like a, you know, F1 equivalent or 0.95 or whatever, but then you'll get these lines in the bokeh because it just yeah. didn't read out correctly because of the shutter readout. And so it's just like, it's, it's almost worthless. If you're in an environment that is relying on those at all, you have to use like an XCD lens or whatever. Um, I did because too. no matter what shutter speed you're at, it just, yeah, it, it doesn't read out correctly. <clears throat> I did three sessions with the 58 F 1.2 Nikon manual yeah. lens, which uh, you don't even have to crop. The vignette is is not a problem. It's yeah. kind of shocking to me how well it's designed. And I've got sitting here the Canon 50 F 1.0. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that looks cool. Have you uh, tried unfortunately, that? Yes. Unfortunately, the I can't seem to get any way to get the manual focus to adjust. It, it seems like when it's adapted, oh, it's, it's like a focus by water. wire, right? Yeah. Yep. So there's nothing, no Bummer. way to accommodate that. So that sucks. Uh, cause I think yeah. this rear rail. Oh gosh, that would be unreal. Not, yeah. It would not vignette much at all on that sensor. Unfortunately, <laughs> maybe I could pre-focus it on my camera, take it off and then put it on. Yeah. If you figured out what distance you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for a big portrait or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it the Nikon 1.2 is, is, so I, all three sessions I used, uh, used it in were, uh, outdoor diffused cloud, yeah. and, uh, you know, just natural light. And it was, a, it was just a dream, but you yeah. have to be very careful. Uh, I had a couple oh, yeah. you to more than super... I sent you some where, yeah, oh my gosh. even like if you're, if you don't hold that breath and keep it steady. 
through the yep. entire frame a little longer than you think you get that weird warble and sometimes like half the shot will look fine but then their legs are all blurry depending on yep. if you like moved too soon and if your client themselves it sucks to have to say like hey guys i'm using a special camera it's gonna be a little bit slower please don't move people still yeah. they don't get it they think that like it's yeah. fine if we move a little bit but it's like don't no, no please don't move you will be exaggerated <laughs> in a bad way I yeah. think I think the thing though like that's like special sort of about these cameras is like I mean obviously you don't shoot film but that's what you have to do with those cameras anyway that same camera mm. like the film version you have to hold it like this then you have to like take a breath because it has a huge shutter and stuff like that and you only get 12 photos per roll so every time you take a photo like it's you know very money thoughtful. and yeah. you have to be very like thoughtful about what you're doing and so my kind of take on this is like if you're going to have one of these and use it like that like if you use it sort of more like a film camera and less like just a run and gun like eos r6 or something like that then your experience and your expectation level will be met much better than if you're just anticipating something that's going to be whipping through and fast and you have to be a little bit more methodical about it yeah uh it's an exciting time i love seeing these medium format sensors just tank the price the barriers yeah. of entry are still very high but what's yeah. cool is you know as iphones kind of erode away the quality of 35 millimeter full frame digital um because iphones are getting scary good and the low light is just uh, yeah if i think it's better now <laughs> than uh i mean obviously it's a limited use case that you can really yeah. use it but still it's like insanely clean detail in the low light on iphones as that erodes away you know this medium format if you can embrace it and if they beef up the autofocus capabilities and some of the flash use cases a little bit better um, i could see most professionals shooting medium format for just a differentiated look yeah and, well, and, and the they, other thing we didn't even talk about is that when clients, it's a funny effect that when clients see a camera like this in particular, yes, or I assume absolutely. a Leica, yeah. you, they then have a different emotional uh, interpretation of what's happening in, in the whole oh, experience of working with you versus, you know, a more clinical DSLR or mirrorless Canon, yeah. which has kind of a stereotypical look. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, the, the wedding that I just shot, uh, a couple weeks ago in like the Bay Area, one of the one of the guests came up to me is like, dude, what like what cameras are you shooting? Because I had this the the Hasselblad X1D around my neck, and then I had two Leica cameras, and the guy was just like, what? Like it looks like you're make like you're pulling stuff that's made in like Scandinavia and Germany, <laughs> and I went. Yeah, yeah. This camera's made in Sweden. Those ones are made in Germany. Like he's like, it looks like you're like you're pulling around like sports cars and like you know designer stuff. And I'm like, that's it's pretty much what it is. Uh, yeah, I would uh, say that that's so. You're, I was like, you are spot on, my friend. Um, <laughs> but I, I I would say like you know the ergonomics and the size of like this Hasselblad camera. If they can stick, you know, face tracking, eye detect that level of autofocus and you know the processing power that the buffer can can handle quick shooting and stuff like this i see no reason why you wouldn't like why people wouldn't go in this direction in the next few years right like because you're saying you know 35 millimeter sensors and the iphones and stuff like that like differentiation you know people can pack like 60 megapixels into a sony body or whatever but like the pixel depth of this just feels different 
Um, mm-hmm. And the size, the form factor and stuff like that is so small. It's the same size as, you know, pretty much the same size as like an EOSR, that kind of style. So, but a yeah, very different uh, for people that can't, that aren't going to watch this on video, very different sure. grip. And it's yes. just much more um, like minimalist and streamlined. Harder Super edges. minimalist. Yeah. yeah, but it'll just slide into any bag almost. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's also, what? They're, they're coming out. I mean, it's funny because my first memory of their, like, here's a here's our entry to digital was a, a crappy crop sensor camera with a wooden grip. Do you yes, remember that? Yes, the, the Lunar yeah. or something or like yeah. whatever that was. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, it was, it was literally like a rebranded <laughs> like Panasonic camera or something. Yeah. It so was the same sensor, same everything. Sold. Right. Like, and it just was like pretty ugly and was like four times the price of the exact same camera that it had ripped off. It had no soul, had no soul. And I don't know where I haven't really done any research into them as a company. If they were bought and sold to anybody else, I knew more about Leica than I know. They they were. Yeah. Okay. Hasselblad was sold to DJI. So like the drone company, Uh, the Chinese drone company. That's a fantastic sign then because they push, push things that's I love hearing that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, so that's when why like happen? the the Mavic Pro Two or whatever uh, they have like the version that has the Hasselblad camera on it, like the Hasselblad branded camera on the drone, uh, cool. because they I don't know how like autonomous they are and how much direction DJI has over Hasselblad, but from what I know, they were bought out by DJI, and so yeah, they have crazy resources now because they're they have that that backing behind them you know <laughs> i mean they stuck to their guns as far as film went for far too long I, i'm guessing and kind of yeah wrecked the business <laughs> yeah yeah i love this camera i do i can see why you know a, 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 the the tactile experience of using this uh, married with the principled approach that is required to use film i yeah. can see why people had such an emotional attachment and and really didn't want to switch to anything digital because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it hits you on a deeper level here, but uh, it's hard to separate that from, you know, if that's all you ever knew as a photographer, it'd be really hard to accept using something less fun, like a Nikon yeah, yeah. E one or whatever the first digital totally. <laughs> cameras were. Well, that's like but, why I shoot. I mean, this, this is a totally another conversation, but like, that's why I still shoot a lot of film and stuff like that because the experience of taking the photo on something else and that's why i shoot leica too the experience of taking that on it feels like i'm using an instrument it feels like playing an instrument versus like programming something on a computer i was gonna say yeah using a keyboard to trigger a sample versus actually playing the violin or something yeah yeah i mean in a way i mean obviously that's super exaggerated but the perfection and the amount of just work that the camera can do on your behalf for you, like on these new cameras with all these eye detect and everything like that is incredible. And so it almost takes some of the challenge away from it, you know, mm-hmm. cause like me and you, I feel like we've been doing this about the same amount of time. I feel like I've known you for probably like a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and like some of the stuff is just like old hat. You don't have to really think about it anymore. You know, like when you're on a wedding day and stuff like that. And especially as the camera does more and more and more for you, I think that's why, you know, like I like to shoot these Leica cameras and do all these other things. And you like to experiment with different lenses and random stuff because it gives us like something on a really predictable day 
that is unpredictable and something that like forces creativity and, and that kind of thing. That's yeah. another whole another conversation, I'm sure. But I often say, like, I limit the amount of backup gear I take too because you know I'm I've had what it finally happened once. I, I would say this, and then it finally occurred. Where- <laughs> one flash and it didn't work so i had to use my video light the entire reception yeah, yeah. to photograph dancing sure. in a way that i was super stressed about but i yeah. pulled it off <laughs> and i and i yeah. knew that i could could manifest a solution if yes. it presented with oh crap my flash is dead i don't have a backup flash what do i do and yeah. um and it worked and it, it was awesome and it was exciting and you need some of yeah. that because after about three totally. years and maybe 40 weddings, you start to hit the edge <laughs> and there's a brief period of time where you're just in this nirvana state of, I know I can walk into any scenario and photograph it well and clients are going to be happy. Yeah. The other side of that nirvana is the, I need to make this fun <laughs> for myself now. I need to make, mm-hmm. I need to keep this from feeling like a job because I'm an expert in whatever you know, every area but practically that I need to be, uh, yeah, yeah you gotta, you gotta but, do that. <laughs> and then that joy is like, I, I think that's why a lot of people hire you though, because like they, they see the joy that you have in creating something really unique and different and whatever. And so that thing that becomes the thing that is driving you is the thing that ends up driving people to you. Totally. And, the and, more, amazing and kind of like lines up. Yeah, it does. The more you, you also present that and platforms like Patreon or whatever, some, some of those behind yeah. the scenes windows, one of the unanticipated consequences of that, that I just did not think would happen was potential, uh, new clients seeing the like context the yeah. wider context of where I totally. made a photo and wanting to hire me more because of that, because they realize like, Oh, he's doing something. None of our friends with their nice cameras could at all do yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, instead of just keeping totally. it completely under lock and key. And here's my work, hire me, uh, giving some of that wider context. Of course, photographers are interested and they want to, you know, subscribe to Patreon or whatever, but clients also want to hire you more because of that openness and, mm-hmm. and, uh, context. So it's pretty cool. It's yeah. nice when, you know, incentives and, and everything can align like yeah. that. <laughs> Totally. Sweet, man. Well, thank Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Or having me. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for oh, talking man. with me. I appreciate it. I'm trying to do more of these kinds of things. Yeah, I'd love to talk with you again about whatever. Uh, maybe oh, for sure, months. man. Yeah. Do you yeah, have a pretty, uh, pretty busy winter? Are things going to slow down? You know, as the yeah, things, I, I just hit my last couple weddings uh, for the year. So, yeah, I don't have any shooting things for the next few months. Uh, things always pop up here because once it starts snowing, then people go, ooh, like maybe we yeah. should open the in the winter here because, you know, especially this year, I feel like. Um, so we'll see if I do some stuff in the winter here. Cool. Then I have one actual like workshop that's still going through. Um, what? So in in December, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, local or inter- international or national? No, it's in it's in Austin, oh, okay. Texas. So that explains. Yeah, it. we'll see how see how that goes. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Although Austin, is, uh, my sister lives there. They they've been comfortable with the safety measures, but that's that's intense. Okay, so it's like an in person yeah. workshop. Wow, cool. Uh huh. Yep. Um. Yeah, so I'm just like a guest speaker at that, but stock up on this yeah, COVID it tests. Be, oh yeah, COVID tests and uh and ninety fives and should be good. Yeah. All right. Well good luck with everything. Uh yeah. It was yeah, wonderful thanks, to, to talk with you and let me know what you think about the nine oh seven X 
uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. body whenever you get that. I'd Absolutely. love to see if you try any other lenses that maybe I haven't yet. Right on. Thanks, Sam. Bye. <laughs> see you, man.